This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. One of the things we have to keep in mind is at the end of chapter 6, it says that, And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him and saw his face as the face of an angel. Now, most people took that to mean that he had this, just this sweet, nice glow. But the commentators that I read studying for this passage said that it wasn't this nice, cuddly angel that, you know, the images we get from if we watch the TV show, Touched by an Angel. This was a warrior angel. We have to also remember, Stephen there gives his defense in all, most of chapter 7. Now, he was talking, and technically, Stephen had not been arrested. Now, how many of us have seen on the cop shows where at the time of arrest, the arresting officer reads them what's called the Miranda rights? Anyone remember all those? You have the right to remain silent and anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to consult an attorney before speaking to the police and to have an attorney present during questioning now or in the future. If you can't afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. Do you understand these rights? Now, the policeman who at the time of arrest does not have to read the rights there, so what you remember seeing most likely is just the drama of a television show. They only have to tell the rights to the person when they are getting ready to question him or her. And so they, but they still need to do it according to all the Supreme Court cases on this subject from 1966 onward. So they do the you have the right to remain silent thing. But Christians, when charged with crimes related to our faith in Christ, do not have the right to remain silent. Say, what? Well, it's like this. Since Jesus promised us that in that very moment, in that very hour, the words will be given to you to say, we don't have the right to clam up because when we are before some kind of tribunal or whatever, you have the chance to testify about the glory of the Lord. You have a chance to give a witness for Jesus. So, Technically, we do not have a right to remain silent. Now, Stephen goes on and he does his uh, thing and talks and talks and talks and talks. But at the end of his sermon, what does he say? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Now, most of the time in our era, when you end a sermon, you usually have to end it with some kind of nice, light, happy anecdote or a poem or something that gives everyone a warm fuzzy. Well, Stephen's close at his sermon was not exactly a warm fuzzy, was it? He says, you stiff-necked people, and then he continues, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you have now become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. 
So what we're doing here is Stephen is not ending his sermon, his message, or his defense with a nice, happy, warm feeling. He's telling them, you guys are totally messed up. You guys have messed up big time. You guys are in deep something. And so they got, you know, upset about that. You know, because how would you like it if someone said, you stiff-necked person, you, you killed Jesus. Well, technically that's true, but, you know, well, that's another sermon. So, the commentators about this say, and this is David Garland about this passage here, Stephen had been charged with speaking against the temple and his accuser's theology with all of its implications. Stephen had been charged by against for speaking against Moses, speaking against the law, speaking against all the traditions and all that. So Stephen, in his defense, does not pro retract his proclamation of the truth, but instead goes on the attack, connecting almost every major episode in Israel's history to his criticism of the current state of affairs. His enemies who combat his message, are fighting against God and are not the true heirs of God's promises. His denunciation results in this lynch mob, basically, boiling over with rage. Stephen is killed, but his death leads to the movement of God's Spirit beyond Jerusalem. So, you stiff-necked people, in contrast to the other sermons in Acts, Stephen's speech ends in an indictment rather than an invitation. Stephen nails his audience for being stiff-necked, those who reject God's will, being uncircumcised in heart and ears, those who ignore God's word, resisting the Holy Spirit, those who reject God's leading, assassinating the prophets sent to them, or worse, murdering their own Messiah. So, Stephen kind of laid it out there. It very, did so very clearly. If you read that defense, you'll note it goes step by step through Israel's history. And in his defense, or in his discourse there, he shows how at each point along the way, the Israelites had rejected God's ways. And so, they rush at him. They're angry. You know, they've stopped their ears. If anyone ever seen a kid, you know, put their fingers in their ears and go, nah, 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 so they cannot hear what's being said. Well, that's kind of what these guys are doing. But they're gritting their teeth and they're thinking, I'm going to kill that guy. And they did. But anyway, so Stephen is pushed out of town and they start throwing rocks at him. Now, here's an interesting point. When Stephen is looking up into heaven, says he's being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, Ephesians 1.20 and all of the creeds say that Jesus was sitting at the right hand of God. 
Now, so, but Stephen sees him standing. You say, well, okay. But what's the difference here? It's that Jesus is standing to give respect to the first martyr of his cause and to get ready to receive him. You know, when you, when you greet somebody at your house, you're usually not sitting down. You go to the door and you open the door and you're standing up when you're greeting them. And so that's what's happening here. Jesus is standing because Stephen is being killed for his faith. And he's showing that amount of respect for the guy who gives his life, the first martyr in the New Testament. And so you say, well, he's sitting there seeing this heavenly vision. Why didn't God save him? Well, here's the deal. Sometimes the witness is stronger if he doesn't save us. And he allows us to become martyrs. Now, technically the word martyr comes from the Greek word martyreo, which means witness. But being killed for your faith is the ultimate witness for your faith. And so that's how we came about calling the people who die for their faith or die in service of the Lord martyrs. Now, again, sometimes... The witness is more powerful if the person gives their life for the Lord. Now, here's a, an interesting story about this. Everyone here has heard about the five men who were killed by the Alka Indians back in the 1950s. Well, in 1989, Olive Fleming Liefeld, the widow of Pete Fleming, one of the five missionaries who were killed by the Alka Indians, returned to the place where they were martyred. This time, she returned with Dawa, one of the Alka Indians who witnessed their deaths and later became a Christian. Dawa shared about the misunderstandings that led to the killing of the five missionaries, the decisive action of the missionaries who had guns in their possession not to kill their attackers, and one story that no one had previously known. Rachel Saint, sister of Nate Saint, another one of the five missionaries who was killed, translated the story. After the men were killed, Dawa in the woods and Kimo on the beach heard singing. As they looked up over the tops of the trees, over the tops of the trees, they saw a large group of people. They were all singing and it looked as if there were a hundred flashlights. This is the only word for bright lights that they know. Fleming, Saint, and the others who heard this story could not believe their ears, but they recalled the hymn that the five men sang the day before their death, We Rest on Thee. The hymn concludes, We rest on Thee, our shield and our defender, Thine is the battle, thine shall be the praise, when passing through the gates of pearly splendor, victors we rest with thee through endless days. And they had to conclude that they had indeed passed through the gates of pearly splendor and were greeted by an angelic choir. But this vision that these two Indians saw with people above the trees, with a thousand lights surrounding them, singing was one of the things that led her and the others to believe that indeed these missionaries were representing the truth.
but that led to the conversion of almost every member of that tribe. What's that mean? It means that sometimes it's better for us to give our lives as a stronger witness. So why were those people so angry? Well, they understood the implications because what they saw and what they heard from Stephen was, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man, the name Jesus often used for himself, standing at the right hand of God. And then he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. If what Stephen was saying was true, and he was looking up into heaven, seeing Jesus at the right hand of the Father, if what Stephen was saying was true, then what they believed was wrong. And how many of us like to be told or informed that we're wrong? And that's what aggravated them to the point of wanting to kill Stephen. Because they knew that if what he was saying was true, and that he really was looking up into heaven, seeing a vision of the Father sitting on the throne and Jesus standing by his side, that Jesus really was the Messiah, and still is, by the way, and that what Stephen said was true, and their system of religious beliefs was sadly mistaken. And they hated that. And therefore, they hated Stephen. So, that's what happens. But, they were wrong. They were wrong, and they were wrong, actually, for killing him, although, what happened after that was that a persecution broke out. You say, well, that's not good. But what happened was all the followers of Christ in Jerusalem, because the persecution broke out, they found out across the countryside, sharing the gospel with them along the way, and there were more converts being won to the faith because of the persecution. So, they messed up on several ways. But what we need to know is, if we are ever pressed to the point that Stephen was, the Lord will give us the words to say, Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.